It's so awesome to be a part of the family of God and to get to be connected to ministries that are happening all over the world, like the one that we just saw about in Guatemala. Um, the Northwest Ministry Network, the, the network that we're a part of at Bethel, uh, gave $50,000 to that safe house in Guatemala, and 15000 of that came from, from Bethel Church. So we just wanted to pass on a thank you from Hal as well. Uh, thank you for giving generously. Thank you for allowing us to send uh, our support down there and just to impact the kingdom of God. There are people that their lives are going to be set on a different trajectory because of it for generations to come. And so uh, that's such a Uh, encouragement to us to get to be a part of that Um, and we get to serve our own community as well and we continue to do that through your giving and through uh, those that are serving and and cooking meals and preparing meals and passing them out. This last week, uh, our Tuesday meals, we gave out around 320 meals total. Um, The Onalaska Community Dinner did a curbside pickup and you can see the team here as they uh, they're out there to support that community and that's because of our giving and we're able to do that and um, last weekend was our food box giveaway and our teams are delivering food to people who aren't getting out of their house and they're they're trying to stay distant and so they the one of the doors just had this little note that just said miss you it's it's a it's that's so powerful in that sense that we get your food, but we miss you. We miss the interactions. And I know that we are feeling that um, as a community, as, as our entire world is feeling that right now, that lack of, of interaction. And so we really need to step up our game in prayer. Um, and that actually leads me to a good point. This next Thursday is the National Day of Prayer. Uh, and so we're going to be, there's a couple things that you can join in on. Um, there's an event page for the Lewis County Ministers Network, National Day of Prayer for Lewis County. Um, you can find that on our Facebook page. There's also an event that we're jumping in with the um, Assemblies of God Network, the Northwest Ministry Network called Sacred Assembly. And those two events are going to be happening online. You can join in in prayer at any point during the day. Um, but at 7 a.m. we're going to have a video on the, for Lewis County. And at 7 p.m., to end the day with the Assemblies of God Network. So um, join us in prayer on May 7th um, as we join our entire country in, in prayer. Uh, and on that note, I just want to pray for those, of, uh, that, for those of us that are impacted by COVID-19 as well as just, our, just prayer over our giving for this morning. Uh, so would you join me? Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you for the ability that we have um, in whatever way to just partner with you and the work that you're doing in our community and around the world. God, I pray that you continue to bless these ministries and the mission uh, to let more people know about who you are. Thank you that we get to be a partner in that. God, would you just have your hand on Bethel Church and those who are impacted by COVID-19, whether it's through sickness or through financial hardship, God, um, the challenges of being stuck at home, the emotional um, disconnect that we're feeling, God. We need you. We need you. We need you more than just in words. We need your presence in our lives, God, and I pray that you would help us to see it. Um, would you allow us to see your miraculous provision, God, for those who, whose jobs may be taken away and for those whose businesses are struggling, God. I just pray that you would just open our eyes to see needs and to meet needs, God, and to just um, witness what you're doing through this crisis. Lord, we know that you have a plan for it and for our lives, and so we pray that you would help us to glorify you in everything that we do, including our giving. 
So we just ask that you would speak to us this morning through your word and challenge us and encourage us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I know that we can see the challenges that we're facing um, in our own lives and even in our culture as we look at how this whole pandemic is impacting us. But it's been amazing to me as I've talked to different people, even in our own lives, to see how God's faithfulness has, has impacted us as well. And one of the stories that I heard was from Tom and Jan Bradshaw. Um, and it was just, just the way that they told the story as, as some things happened in their home. They, they had a pipe burst um, and it completely just ruined like half the house. But the story is so cool because they were actually getting ready to leave the house for a few hours. One of the first times they were getting out of the house after a few weeks of being cooped up, they were going to go run some errands, and they had just received some masks from a friend who had sewed masks for them, and, and Tom was already out in the car getting ready to go, and Jan just thought, you know what, before we leave, why don't we just snap a quick picture and, uh, and send it to our friend to say thank you. So she called Tom back into the house, and as they're standing there trying to get the selfie taken, uh, Tom goes, what's that noise? And he heard the water that had started to pour into their house. And because they took a moment to give thanks to their friend, uh, they heard the, the sound of the water rushing, and they were able to move on that quickly, saving a lot of damage from being done. You know, and they're, they're able to look at that and go, God, thank you. Thank you, because they could have taken off for a few hours and come back to a complete devastation. But they happened to catch it early, all because they just wanted to say thank you. And, and they're seeing God's hand of provision, even though that pipe burst. Because the fact is, the pipe was going to burst. But, they're, but God kind of saved them from more devastation. And, and I think of the story, even in our lives, as, um, as this whole thing has unfolded, we knew when Lewis was born that he was going to be born with cleft lip and palate. And that that was going to require surgery, and we have done a pretty good job, I'd say, of not getting anxious about that, and we knew his first surgery was going to be, you know, around five or six months of age, um, and all of that, we, we had it kind of pictured in our mind with, with this, the way the schedules were all going to work out, that it was going to fall in April, probably after Easter, um, but with the way things worked out, we got a call from Seattle Children's on a Wednesday, that they, on a Friday, excuse me, that they had a slot available on Wednesday to do Lewis's surgery. And so we're sitting there going, we hadn't planned on this. We didn't know when this was going to come, but we really felt like this was it, that this was the time that, that was for us. And so we said yes. That Wednesday, we drove up um, and had the surgery. And by the end of that day, things were shutting down. By the time we were coming home, schools were closed. Hospitals were canceling surgeries. All of this stuff was happening. And we were able to get Lewis's surgery in in the provision, time provision of God. Um, and we're able to thank him for that. And now we're, you know, we've been able to be quarantined at home and staying home with a little guy who's recovering from surgery rather than having to try and worry about that. Um, but there's so many of those little stories, little testimonies of even through the challenges that we're facing of how God has orchestrated things or how God is, is working in our lives. And those testimonies are so important. Um, if you have a story of how God has moved in this situation, we'd love to hear it. You can send us a message on Facebook, write an email, um, go fill out your connection card. Tell us the story of how you're seeing God's hand of provision in all of this um, because we need those stories to encourage us, to remind us of who God is and that he cares for us. Um, 
because these challenges that, that come our way, they can, get us, they can get us down. I think the longer we stay apart, the, I don't know about you, but, but the mental struggle that comes with it, even in faith, can get harder. Um, that's why tuning into our gatherings are important, is, is so important. Even though we aren't able to be face-to-face, um, it still is a great reminder for us each week. Um, for one, there are people all over Lewis County that are tuning in. Uh, but for our hearts to hear the message and the hope that comes from the gospel. Uh, because it's, it's all about our hearts. <laughs> it's about what, what is going on in our hearts. The circumstances around us, they'll come and go. But what's happening in your heart is what God is really concerned about. He cares more about the inside, that part of you that's going, that lives forever. That part of you that lives in relationship with him. Um, more than anything else. So we, we need those reminders of his goodness and faithfulness because we are in uncharted territory. We've been saying that uh, when this whole thing started. It's, we don't, none of us have ever been here before. Your governor's never been here before. The pastors have never been here before. Our president has never been here before. And people are trying to figure this out. And it, it, it brings up all kinds of emotions. We're all dealing and struggling in so many different ways. We need the grace of God. We need the presence of God to, to fill us up, to allow us to um, trust him and move forward. Because, guys, we can't do it otherwise. I can't do it without the presence of God. We are going to be looking at a story today um, of, of the people of Israel uh, and, and this story stands out because they were in uncharted territory. God was calling them. He had called them from the beginning to take possession of the promised land. And if, you, if you're familiar with the story as the, the people of Israel have been freed from the land of Egypt from slavery. Moses, the, God used Moses and Aaron to deliver them out of slavery through parting the Red Sea and through traveling through the wilderness, the desert. They were on trajectory to, to move in and to take the promised land, having seen God's miraculous hand on their lives in the midst of slavery. God provided. He, he provided for them through the desert, but their hearts— <laughs> It wasn't just their circumstances that, that got them down. Their hearts began to not trust God. Having seen his hand, as a, his hand of provision, their hearts began to not trust him. And they turned from him. They didn't listen. They didn't trust in his covenant. And because of that, an 11-day march turned into, a 40, it turned into 40 years of wandering in the desert. 40 years. Because their hearts turned from God, that generation passed away. They didn't, that generation did not get to enter in to the promised land. You remember that as they, they wandered in the desert, e- even though they hadn't followed God, God continued to provide for them. And they got to see a, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And God provided for them food and drink. He took care of them as, as the generation passed away. And the next generation rose up and they saw and they saw, and, and we, the leader that took over for Moses was a man named Joshua. And if you remember the story of the 12 spies, Joshua and his sidekick Caleb were the only two of the spies of Israel that said, God can provide this for us. The other 10 came back and said, nah, there's no way we can take this land. But Joshua had a heart to trust God. His heart trusted him, no matter what his eyes saw, no matter what the circumstances said. So God uses Joshua. He's going to use Joshua to lead the people from wandering in the desert into the promised land. And it's not going to be easy. 
Just because we're following God and trusting in his promise does not mean that life and circumstances are going to be easy. But we can trust him. God told Joshua to be strong and courageous. Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's such a powerful promise, one that I think as believers in the New Testament, as, as part of the church of Jesus and the Holy Spirit now comes and lives in us, we have an even stronger assurance of that, that God is with us. He came and he's indwelled us, that no matter what we go through, he's with us. We need this reminder that God finishes what he starts. When he makes a promise, he's going to see it come to pass. If it doesn't happen in our timing, he's encouraging us to continue to trust him. He's the author, and he's the finisher of our faith as we study in Hebrews. God's love for us is stubborn. He's not going to give up on us. We're like sheep. We go astray. (laughs) So we've been talking about the last few weeks. But he's a good shepherd, and he'll leave the sheep, the 99 sheep, safe to go after the one that those that he's called, he's going to pursue. His grace and mercy will follow us. Because he has called us to relationship with him. So even when the people of Israel were stubborn, even when we're stubborn, God doesn't quit on us, and he didn't quit on them. He, did not, he never gave up. And so the, the land of Canaan was this promised land. And you can see a picture of it here, where they came, they came in from the desert, and they have to cross the Jordan River to enter the land of Canaan. This was, this land was just a chunk of dirt, but it was, it represented more than that. The promised land is a type for us. It represents the promise of God. It represents the rest of God. It represents the presence of God for us. So the people of Israel, they looked at it, and, and they couldn't fully grasp what it meant. They saw it as a, as a heritage, as a birthright, but as, as believers in Jesus, we see it as more than that. That it, 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 of course, it does represent one day that final promised land, the heaven, that we will get to be in and share in God's presence for eternity. But it also represents for us the promise of his presence and the promises of God. The land of Canaan was significant, and that's why the story of the people of Israel is so important for us. It was a fruitful place, rich in resources, fertile, a land, as the, as the spies came back, Joshua and Caleb said, it's a land of milk and honey. And that was a way of them saying, it's beautiful. It's rich in resources. We couldn't ask for anything better. It represents the believer's life today. Though there are going to be challenges in it, it's, the promise is it's fruitful. And when people look at it, they see the goodness of it. Hopefully they see the goodness of it. That we have the presence of God with us and that, we, that there is fruit that comes out of that. Good fruit. So where we pick up the story today is right where God has them at the edge of the desert and the land of Canaan is just on the other side of the Jordan River. The Jordan River. Now the people of Israel have been wandering for 40 years and they come to this this time where finally, finally God is going to allow them to cross the river into the promised land. Now we've been in this quarantine for, what, six weeks. (laughs) And some of us are already, it's way too much to bear. But the people of Israel had lived in this wandering, sojourning for 40 years. 
and they come to the River Jordan. And they've seen God's hand of provision. They know better than to question God because that's what the previous generation did. But to me, as I think about this, it seems like it would be nice if the river was nice and small. It's the driest part of the year. But they come to the Jordan River, and it's in the middle of flood stage. The river is raging. The, the snows have melted, and the river is, is overflowing its banks. This is what it did every year. And I think we have a picture of, of a raging river. And, and we know what this is like here in Lewis County to see a river at flood stage. You, let's just imagine that you're part of the people of Israel and you come and you're like, man, now is the time God's going to try and bring us through this? Right now when the river is raging, it's overflowing its banks. Today the Jordan River has changed from what it used to be. There are estimates that it could have been as much as a mile wide. And the people of Israel have to cross it. Sometimes we get stuck in the circumstances. We see only the challenges. We trust God. Now for this group of people, this is their moment (laughs) to make their declaration of whether they trust God. This is what it says in Joshua chapter 3. It says, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing goes on in verse 2 and 3. It says, After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. They're basically saying, hey guys, we've been wandering. We've been camped out here for 40 years. It's happening. It's happening. So no matter what you think, no matter what your perspective is, when you see the Ark of the Covenant led by the Levitical priest, Start moving. You better get ready. What was the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant, it was this box, okay? It was built, and you can kind of see a, a, a model of it here. It was a golden box. It was ornate. It was significant to the people of Israel because it housed a couple of, of significant things. It housed the, the staff of Aaron that had budded, and it housed the, the Ten Commandments, the tablets of stone of the Ten Commandments. Um, these things are significant Um, because they represent the provision of God, those things in themselves were just physical things. But more significant than that is that the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God, his presence with them. It was so significant. And if you read the story of the people of Israel, where this thing went, it it impacted. It was—they held it in high honor— In fact, as you read the story here, uh, they're instructed they need to keep a distance. It says in verse 4, it says, Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it. The presence of God at this point, it is significant to the people of Israel. And it's with them. But it's something that's distant from them. It's something that they they have to look on from afar. 2,000 cubits. A cubit is, the rough estimates is somewhere around 18 inches, maybe more. So it's about 3,000 feet, a little over a half a mile. That's how far away they had to keep from the Ark of the Covenant. 3,000 feet. So you've been waiting for 40 years and the Ark of the Covenant is moving. And you have to stand back and wait. And I, sometimes I think, I like to think about these things. What would it have been like to be a part of this (laughs) entourage? 
Now, they had lived with this for 40 years, camping out with thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Right now, we are, uh, we're in like this self-isolation mode where we don't get to see anybody. Um, <laughs> but they were like always with their family, always with the other Israelites. And I can imagine being frustrated or, or uh, impatient, and they have to just wait for the ark, and then they have to wait for everybody, and they have to make sure they don't get too close. And the reason for that was because if they'd get too close, they might be tempted to take direction for themselves. And God is directing them very specifically through the promised land. Anytime that God is giving directions, if you try to go your own way, it's not going to work out very well. And that's, that's, the, that's the lesson we can learn from the people of Israel. Sometimes we have to wait for God. Sometimes he's going to say, now is your chance to move. You got to go. And other times you're going to be waiting. And you're going to be going, where are you going? Why don't we go that way? That way looks easier. And God sees the big picture and he has a plan and we have to trust him. So they had to keep this distance. And as you keep the distance, it it would help them to know which way to go. Where did the Ark of the Covenant go? They can see it. I'm sure that they had, the priests had to leave them signs as they went. This is the way we're going. The presence of God was leading them. Not just Joshua. The presence of God. So it says in verse 4b, it says, In order that you may know which way you shall go. See, we as humans, we don't like to ask for directions. And maybe I'm just speaking for the men out there. (laughs) We're not very good at asking for directions. We kind of want to, in our own nature, know where to go and to stick with the plan. And if you're part of the family of God and the people of God, sometimes those plans are going to be interrupted. In fact, as a human, plans are going to get interrupted. The beautiful thing about being a part of the family of God, trusting that the presence of God is with you, is that you can rest assured that he has a plan to get through this. It doesn't mean that it's going to feel good. It doesn't mean that we're not going to question. Because sometimes we do. And that's okay. We need to have space for that. But, but in our hearts, as a community, we need to come together and say, let's look to God. Let's trust him. He's guiding us. As a church right now, We don't know what the future holds. We're having conversations as a staff. What does the future look like for us? We we don't know. And there could be a part of us that could be anxious about that. I don't know how you're feeling about that. But we have to trust God that he's going to lead us. That we have an assurance that his presence is in us, guiding us. We have to trust him. Joshua 3 verse 4 continues. It says, For we have not passed this way before. The people have been in the desert, and, and the desert was a pretty significant space. Like, it was, a, it was a, a, a large chunk of land, but 40 years they've been moving around. They've seen it all. They're pretty familiar with this land. They're finally stepping into a land that they don't know about. They're going to be moving from, even though they didn't want the wandering, they've been there for 40 years. It's become home. It's become comfortable. The tents have become comfortable. The kids have all grown up with it. They're going to be moving into uncharted territory. What now? They're going to be coming in contact with other people. They're going to have to sacrifice their comforts. You know, I feel like 
we're in almost the opposite situation, but it still hits us a similar way. We've been comfortable for a long time as a church. We've been able to, to kind of, and I'm not talking about specifically just Bethel Church, but the church. <laughs> We've been able to get comfortable with the way things are. We take it, we even take it for granted, the fact that we've been able to meet. The fact that we can have community with people that love Jesus, that have been called. The fact that we can serve and do, how, do it however we want. The fact that we have surpluses that we give from. And we're being called, <laughs> not willingly, <laughs> out of that. To trust God into a new season. It's going to look different. But we have the same promise that Joshua had in Joshua 1.9. It says, For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We have to trust him, that he is with us. God has a plan to bring the promises of God by taking us through things that we cannot do on our own. If all we ever did was the things that we already know we can do, God would get <laughs> almost no glory from that. And our lives and our faith would be stagnant. He's going to move us, sometimes willingly and sometimes unwillingly, through seasons of challenge. And in order to receive the promises of God, you have to be willing to go where you've never been before. Okay? You have to be willing to go where you've never been. Right now, that's the life that we live. We've never gone this way before. I'm thankful for a group of people that have faith and trust in God. That people are giving even though they don't know where their paycheck's coming from. It's incredible to see faith rise up when circumstances get shaken. Because always, in everything, the opposite of that is possibly true as well. And we've seen plenty of that. Circumstances are, are shaken and, and all kinds of other things come flowing out of the church and the people of God <laughs> other than <laughs> grace and mercy, goodness and mercy. And these times are important for us. It's important for us to remember that following Jesus isn't for those who want to seek comfort in this life. The people of Israel had battles to fight against armies. They weren't just walking in and, and then they, the, the land was vacant and they just get to occupy the cities. God was calling them to go on a campaign. Many of them would die in that campaign to bring about the promises of God. And there was a purpose for it. It wasn't just because God was like, I'm jealous of that land for my people. All of this plan of God is going to be culminating in the fact that the Messiah is going to come through the people of Israel that's going to save the world. They had armies to go and fight. They had a purpose <laughs> that they were, and that they were looking to God for. That he would be their savior. See, we, we don't fight against a physical army. We don't fight against other people, although sometimes that is a temptation. We are waging war in another kind of circumstance. As people of God, we have a war that wages inside of us. We have a war that's raging in the heavenlies. A spiritual battle that people are getting caught up in. And when circumstances in life sh are shaken, oftentimes that, that, that makes us question and makes us realize how we're doing in that. In your own life, in your own soul, how's it going? 
Where have you began to put your identity? Has it been in your employment, in your job, in your business? Hope not your haircut. (laughs) Has it been in your rights? Has it been in (laughs) any number of other things? We are at war. But we are called, just like the people of Israel, to follow God and trust him like sojourners. And this is the way that Peter writes about it in 1 Peter chapter 2. This is right after he calls us a royal priesthood, a chosen nation set apart for God's possession to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us according to his purposes. Love that verse. But this is following that. It says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. There's a war that's waging in our souls. Passion, the flesh, anger, frustration, it's, it's, it's when, when we're shaken, these things start to flare up. As people of God, people that are called by Jesus, these are opportunities for us to see those enemies and to ask him to help us fight them, to fight that war, not the war Republicans versus Democrats. The war that's going on inside of our souls, that's what Jesus is, is after. That's what people of God need to be focusing on. And then the battle that's going on in a much larger context for our country, for our world. To live our lives, to conduct ourselves in an honorable way so that when they do speak evil against us, it, it, it doesn't ring true. But instead, glory is given to God. As people around can look at the people of God and they go, man, those people care. Man, Those people are paying attention. Man, those people have a faith that's unshakable. They're not afraid of of anything. And when we get our lives jostled around and we get uncomfortable, it reveals to us which kingdom we belong to. See, the people of Israel had failed, so they had to wander for 40 years. And all of that generation had to die. And they didn't reach the promised land. And as a church, I feel like right now is an opportunity for us to demonstrate what the kingdom of God looks like. And I believe that a generation is at stake. I believe that a generation of people to know who God is, to see the love of Jesus, it's at stake right now. That's the war that we're fighting, church. Are we demonstrating the kingdom of God? Are we living as citizens of this country, of this world? Do we see our primary identity as sojourners and exiles looking and longing for our home to be a part of the kingdom of God? That's, that's what we need to pursue, to trust God in the midst of this, to be people of peace, to be people of grace and mercy and goodness. Joshua, in, in the story, The instructions have been given when you see the Ark of the Covenant move, get ready. 
This is what he says in verse 5. He says, Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Consecrate yourselves. Consecrate means to prepare, to be set apart, to be dedicated. They needed to get ready. They needed to make the declaration in their souls. Are we going to trust God or are we going to be like past generations? Today is a day to consecrate yourself. To prepare. To say, God, what are you doing in my life? What are you doing in this community? What are you doing in this time in history that you've called the church, the people of God, those who are in the kingdom, those who trust Jesus to be a demonstration of I want to consecrate myself to that purpose. Not get caught up in other passions and other things of the flesh that wage war within us. But to trust in him. It says, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Isn't that an incredible promise? That that the the day that the ark moved forward, the, the people watched as the Jordan River dried up. The Jordan River at flood flood stage. Oftentimes we talk about the Red Sea, but this is just as much of a miracle. It's huge. It's It's a declaration that, hey, people of Israel, hey, I got you. You trust me, you follow me, and no matter what circumstances say, I'm gonna come through. I'm going to come through. That's what God is telling the people. And as they prepare themselves, they get their hearts right with God. They look at history and they, they probably heard the stories from their, from their family members of what happened in the desert. Many of them didn't get to experience that, but they saw it, this younger generation. And they were going to say, today's my day to, to declare I'm going to trust God. And they were going to need it because they weren't just going to cross the river and have it fall into their laps. They, they have the city of Jericho coming up and God does another miracle. But that's not the end of it. They had to continue to go forward and conquer the entire land. And no matter what they face, they know that God has got a plan for them and it's his promise and it's his word that's at, at stake, that's on the line. That no matter what comes for them, He's going to use it for that purpose. It reminds me of this verse that we oftentimes quote in Romans chapter 8, one that as Christians we cling to it. Romans 8, 28 and 29, it says, and, ne- and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to the, his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be firstborn among many brothers. We know, for we know. We've seen it. We've seen it through the people of Israel. We've seen it in our own lives. We've seen it in the lives of the people around us, the testimonies of others. That when they look to God, when they love God, when they trust God, and they see his purpose in it, even the worst things turn out for good. It's not a cliche. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose— This promise gives us great hope that God will use every challenge for our good if we love him and trust his purpose. It should give us a lot of peace in an unknown season, 
But it also has a couple of significant caveats. Did you pick up on that? These things are, are little parts of the promise that if not followed, if not paid attention to, they don't, they, they don't allow us to rest in it. It says, for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose, for those who are predestined and, and who are being conformed to the image of his son. It says we cannot claim the promises of God if we are not loving God above all else. We cannot claim the promises of God if we don't desire his purposes for us over our own. We cannot claim the promises of God unless we are being conformed to be like Jesus. We oftentimes want the comfort of the promise without the consecration. When things shake us up and challenge our lives, it reveals to us the, the lesser loves, the brokenness, the bondage that we are in. As we go through a season like this, it's shaking us up. And it's going to reveal faith or it's going to reveal something else. That's why it's so important for us today to take a look at our lives. As we talked about last week, what's trailing after you? What's following you in this season? What's filling your Facebook feed? Is it goodness and mercy? If not, is it repentance? <laughs> that's that's an, another way of glorifying God is to say, it, you know, I, I kind of lost my mind there for a minute. I, I believe that God has a plan for me. I believe God has a plan for this. I believe that he's going to use this to transform me, to make me more like his son. Because Jesus, he is, he is our example. He's our savior. He's the reason that we can, we can even have a relationship with God in the first place. But he also becomes our example. In fact, the scripture says that we're going to be conformed to be like him. And that's absolutely amazing because that is not something that we can do on our own. We can't do it. So we have to consecrate ourselves. If you want the promised land, buckle up for the journey. <laughs> Don't be afraid. He is going with you. He's going to do the work. When we follow Jesus, our challenges become opportunities to break free from sin and lesser loves and be conformed to his image. The challenges that we see right now in your, own, in your life, in my life, these are opportunities, if we trust him, that he can use this. He can use it to break us free from bondage to sin. Or to break us free from, from having our heart, our identity, our love caught up in something lesser. That it can be a tool used to help conform us to the likeness of his son, Jesus. To look at Jesus' life and, and go, I, I want to be like that. That is a, that's an audacious statement for any mere human to say, I want to be like Jesus. We aren't, we are not perfect. We cannot do it. But, but God is in the business of transforming our lives. These circumstances don't disqualify God's work, his purpose in our lives. I mean, if you think about it, this, the New Testament, the, it's full of, of encouragements 
to look to God in every circumstance. Think of what James says in James 1, 2 through 4. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. When you face trials, look for God to transform you to be like Jesus, being perfect. about what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 10. He says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Calamities. I'm content. Because as I face the end of my strength, then it's God that gets glory. Then it's his strength that is made perfect. It's his strength that comes through and and builds us up. That we can look at our lives and we can go, I can't do this. That that is an admission that Christians, we need to be making all the time. (laughs) We can't do it on our own. And if you can, then it's time to be called out. It's time to consecrate yourself. That God may be moving you to do something, to be challenged. To step out in faith. To trust God. Not your own abilities. Not your own self-assurances. Not your own bank account. Not in anything but him. That through our weaknesses, he is strong. It's counterintuitive. That sentence in itself is, is it holds this, this tension that we walk through, that we've been talking about. Humbled and exalted. As followers of Jesus, we live this identity. It's so unique that when we're weak, we're strong. Because when we acknowledge our weakness, when we acknowledge that we're sheep in need of a good shepherd, he comes and he exalts us. He comes and he says, I got you. He comes and he says, come be honored guest. He comes and says, come let me empower you. That the God of the universe wants to come and live in you. It's absolutely incredible. And it it changes our lives. It makes it better but he gives him glory. See, true strength is only available to those who know they are weak. The people of Israel had had gotten a, a, a firm grasp on that. By the time they're able to step across the Jordan River, you know, you'd think hundreds of years of slavery in Egypt would have done that. But they needed 40 more years for this truth to marinate inside of them. That they can't do this and that if they try, it's going to fail. And God's going to say to them, hey, I'm going to go before you if you trust me. I'm going to provide for you this promise. This promise is significant because it it shows us a, a hint of the presence of God. A promise that is for the people of God, that they will be with him. And we fight this tension all our lives as Christians 
We, we have a desire. We want to be the home team. We want to have the advantage. But as Christians, the promised land is not an earthly nation, but it's an internal reality of the presence and power of God. That right now, we can live in the promised land, in the midst of calamity, because he's with us. We can trust him. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I just thank you so much for your promises to us. God, I, I know that we're all dealing with our own challenges right now. Everybody has, um, has been impacted by this in so many different ways. But life comes at us like that. And so, God, I just pray that, that as you're moving in our lives, God, that you would encourage this morning, whenever people are watching this, that they can trust you. That if we love you above all other things, we know that good's going to come out of it because your purpose is going to be made clear. We know that good's going to come out of it because you're going to use even the most difficult things to conform us to the likeness of your son. I pray that through this time, that as we're separated, and even, even though we are able to continue to give and continue to serve in so many different ways, God, I pray that, that you would be building a bigger passion inside your church to impact this community and the world with the gospel, the true kingdom of God, beyond our borders, beyond our homes, beyond the comforts that we cling to, is a purpose that you have for us to glorify you and to point other people to you, that more people could join the flock. I pray this morning for those who are overwhelmed that they would see the simplicity of laying down and saying, I'm weak, I need your strength. And for those who are feeling a temptation to fight back, to, to latch out, lash out at whatever, that you would calm our souls You'd open our eyes to see what you're doing in our families, in our lives, in our souls, uprooting the roots of sin and the lesser loves and conforming us to be more like you. Jesus, I pray that we would see you clearly, that we'd see who you are and the ways that you're calling us because you lived a life of, of boldness and meekness at the same time, and we need that desperately right now for your church and for, for each one of us. We thank you that you're not just our example, the one we're being conformed to be like, but you're our Savior and that you died for us. That when we fail, we can trust in you that you cover that. As long as we're continuing to move forward, to continue to get up and say, well, I'm going to dust this off and I'm going to come trust you again. I'm going to get back on my feet again because of who you are. So would you lift our heads and trust, to trust in you? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The band's going to come and sing, and I'm going to invite you to um, go and get your communion elements. We've been doing this the last few weeks, and um, it's a little different than what we normally do on a Sunday morning, but the significance of, of this moment is that Jesus, he set this up for his disciples, and he took a loaf of bread, and he broke it, and he passed it around, and he said, this bread represents my body. Uh, it's given for you his body that would be crucified, his body that would be sacrificed for the sins of the people in that room and all of us. So when we eat that bread or cracker or whatever you've got at home, 
It's our way of thanking him, of remembering that sacrifice for us. That in our weakness, the cross is glorified. Jesus is lifted up. And then he took a cup, had wine in it. That's what they drank a lot of. And they had, um, they had the, um, a lot of, I should say, they drank that because that's what they had to drink. <laughs> Just clarifying. <laughs> uh, and he took the cup and he passed it around and he said, this cup represents my blood shed for you. A new covenant, not a covenant based on your earthly bloodline, but, but, but based on what Jesus has done. It's in his blood that covers us. So when we eat this cracker of bread and we drink the cup, we remember his death for us and we thank him. So you can do that in just a moment as the band sings.